Good morning, Grace Chapel. So good to see you today. End of the year, as Ben said, get ready for next year. It should be a little bit better. <laughs> we hope. How many of you this Christmas season shopped online? Just, just, put, put, yeah, just, yeah, man, tons of people. Online shopping, according to all the reports, all the news reports, was at a fever pitch this Christmas, and the marketing of products through commercials was also at an all-time high. Did you notice? It's not just on TV. Uh, I mean, goodness, I was like, it was my internet browser, I mean, it was picking up every place I had visited and reminding me of that constantly. Buy it again. Buy more. Um, my Facebook page had live commercials all the way through it. Um, even my daily news feed was reminding me that I didn't have enough. I needed, I needed to get more. Um, commercials constantly bombard us with information. And they constantly suggest that you and I really do need certain things. We really need them, and we should buy them. And they're a sense of our self-worth and how well we've been doing. And uh, like, like, who can really enjoy Christmas? without a brand new Lincoln parked in your driveway with a big red bow on it. I mean, seriously. I mean, can, 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 I'm, who, who got that? I just want to know. Uh, because it looked like everybody was getting one. I mean, that's pretty cool. The theme of many commercials, uh, you know, they influence our moods. They influence our expectations about life. They even, they even can be a gauge for some people on how well you're doing. Um, they can affect your hopes, and they can affect your longings. And the theme of many commercials is, you only, have you heard this before? You only go around once, and you got to grab all the gusto you can. Uh, from beer to cars to entertainment, the theme goes all the way back through the ages to when advertising first started, which was probably right after Adam and Eve left the garden. And it knows no age limits. Young, old, it doesn't matter. The pack it all in right now mentality has been captured with a hashtag. <laughs> Y-O-L-O. -O. You only live once. And perhaps you've heard different variations of all these uh, statements with, you only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. Maybe you've heard that. These are trendy phrases. These are things that are all over the internet, and they all revolve around the same idea. Nothing has really changed since the beginning. They reveal that every generation, we have one thing that we all have in common, and that is we all suffer from what I'm going to call today eternity amnesia. doesn't matter how young or old you are. Eternity amnesia. It loads all of our hopes and all of our dreams into this present moment. I gotta make this the best I can make it because it's so important. Eternity amnesia presents pleasures in a more magnetic way, a more alluring way, seductive even. But eternity amnesia also has the effect of, of making current difficulties that we all are going through or are going to go through all the more painful, all the more disappointing. And those who suffer from eternity amnesia, that would be you and that would be me at times, we obsessively work to experience delight 
in this life, and we will do everything that we can to avoid discomfort. We'll do it for our kids. We don't want them to go through what we went through. However, what we went through made us into what we are today. Interesting. Whatever your theology is, whatever the Bible's theology is about eternity, that, that great distant future for so many of us, many of us treat the here and now as if this is all there is. The way we live our life, the choices we make. Um, we live with a destination mentality, someone has said, instead of a preparation mentality, and there's a huge difference. And we need to be reminded by passages like 2 Corinthians, where we're going to go this morning. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Listen to these words from Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, and all of our earthly tents will one day be destroyed. Count on it. We have a building from God. A house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan. Have you groaned lately? <laughs> For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may uh, not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. We want more. We look forward to more than this life could ever offer. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Who has given us the Spirit. His Holy Spirit. As a guarantee. So here Paul, he talks about how the here and now, what you and I are going through, will not last. It's temporal. And he paints this for us, if you noticed. He paints this picture for us. He has us think more deeply than we typically would with the analogy of dwelling in tents. It's pretty interesting. The word picture is of people traveling on their way to a destination and as they stop on the way there, because it takes days to get there, maybe weeks, even years, they have to set up portable places in which to live life, and then they pack up those portable places and they move on. So, so that's the picture. So let me ask you, how many of you have ever tented? Like, a lot of you have, right? Like, it doesn't matter, in the backyard for one night with the kids, but, or, or for a week or, or longer, you've, you've tented, right? You, you've done this camping thing. Okay, next question. How many of you really enjoyed it? Okay, a half dozen. Okay, okay, half dozen people. They're like, wait. How, okay, let's, let's, let's show our, our true self now. How many of you didn't enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. When you live in a tent for however long, one night, three hours, <laughs> so usually how long it lasts with the kids, or, or a whole week of, of camping, it reminds you every day and every night that you are not at your permanent destination yet. It announces, and for me, it's usually in the middle of the night. It announces that I am not at my home. Uh, what was that? 
Did you hear that? Wake up, wake up. There's something outside the tent. You may, even those of you who, who may enjoy tenting, and I'm sure there's a few of you who really do. I mean, you love it, you look forward to it, you can hardly wait. I'm sure that that small minority who really do enjoy the experience realize it's not home. It's just not the same. Lord, this is not comfortable. I need my bed. Dwelling in tents with a preparation mentality that this isn't it yet, yet I am dwelling in this tent, is designed by God. This isn't by accident. It has been purposely designed by God. Dwelling in tents should, should take you and I who know Jesus Christ as our Savior through faith in His death on the cross for our sin debt. It should produce in us many, many things. And if we know God through Jesus, it should produce many things. And there are three things, just three, that I want to focus on this morning. At the end of 2020, if there's ever been a year that exposes tent living, it's been this year. Three things, longing, maturity, and hope. First, longing. Have you been disappointed lately? Maybe in someone, maybe in something, your lot in life. God intends for the disappointments of this present life to make us long for the next life. It's on purpose. To long for the kingdom that we pray comes. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Sermon on the Mount? This world is not a safe place to look for any sense of well-being. It's not safe. It doesn't provide it. And so we all groan, according to that passage I read. Do we? We all groan as we wait eagerly for the real paradise to come. When you were young, uh, did you tend to ignore, and those of you who are young, you can say, yeah, I do. Do you, do you tend to ignore, or, or even at sometimes you're, you're oblivious to the groaning? Do you remember that? Those of you who are older, do you remember being young? <laughs> I know I was, totally oblivious. I remember um, playing pickup hockey. I was in my later 20s, and, and there's a bunch of us, and my friend that, that was, we were playing with, he invited his dad to come. He was in his 50s. He used to be a really good hockey player, but he came and he played with us, and I remember playing out there and thinking, oh, that guy must have been really good back in the day. And, uh, of course, we were, you know, we were doing really well. So we're sitting in the change room after, dressing room after, um, getting ready to go, and we're laughing and joking with him about, you know, Losing a step, you know, getting old. And, and, he, and, he, and he said to me, he said to me, someday, Pete, you'll be here. And I'm sitting there, and in my head, I'm thinking, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I don't think I'm ever going to be there. Well, I'm getting it more clearly now. Yeah, the, 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 the static noise from youth is being cleaned away. It's being washed away. And I'm hearing from my spiritually in tune 97-year-old mom a groaning. Every time we talk on the phone, there's this groaning. It's a longing to go home, but it's really, really healthy. It's the way it should be. 
Verse 2 stated uh, of 2 Corinthians 5, For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Are you longing for that? Is that kind of part of your day? I'm convicted because a lot of days go by without any groaning. And Paul elaborates some more of this when he was speaking to the church in Corinth when he wrote this. He also wrote a letter to the church in Rome, and he said to them in chapter 8 of that letter, verse 23, he just told them, all creation is actually groaning. All around us, nature is waiting for the day to be restored, to be renewed. And he says in verse 23 of chapter 8, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, we who actually have the first fruits of the eternal Holy Spirit of God in us, dwelling inside of us. He said, even we, with that, groan inwardly. Why? As we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies, the Holy Spirit reminds me that this isn't it. Am I listening? The Holy Spirit is eternal. So he constantly reminds me of eternal things because I'm so focused on temporal things. Longing. We need that. And then there's maturity. God also knows that you and I are not ready for eternity. <laughs> we, as we are right now, we, we say, Jesus, come back. We're not ready. <laughs> We're nowhere near ready to spend eternity with a holy God. We're too, still too impressed with our own wisdom, with our own strength. We're still too fooled by our own righteousness. We struggle to love the Creator rather than the creation, than His creation. We want to have our own way. We want to write our own rules. We like to write rules for other people as we see things, when it's convenient for us, when it helps us, do like I say, but not as I do. And God has designed the pressures of today and yesterday to produce essential character changes in you and me. He wants to change our character. He wants to mature us for tomorrow because he's got somebody this afternoon, tomorrow, who you and I are going to rub shoulders with, that God has destined for us to rub shoulders with, to share the good news. And he wants us mature. So he's preparing us for that. Yes, according to places like 1 Corinthians chapter 15, specifically 53, verse 53, 51 through 53, we will one day be transformed. But that transformation is taking place now. Listen, listen to what Paul, how Paul puts it there. Behold, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. And in the context, that means we shall not all remain dead. But we shall all be changed. It's coming. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. It's a guarantee. And the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. 
For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality before we meet God. But in the here and now, there's yet another transformation taking place in those of us who really love Him. For on that final day, when we see Jesus face to face and our salvation is fulfilled, it's not over yet. Peter says it in 1 Peter 1, 6-9. He puts it this way. In this, in this salvation that we all enjoy, you rejoice, don't you? Can I get an amen? Do you rejoice in the salvation that God has provided for us, so free, so abundant, at such great cost? Though now for a little while, this is understatement, okay? Peter's really good with understatements. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. (laughs) Yeah. So that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, that your faith may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ when he is revealed, which is what the whole book of Revelation is about, the revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ at the end of all things. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Don't we love him? Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith. There's, there's, an, there's something yet to come for all of us who know Christ as our Savior, the salvation of our souls. So are you maturing in your salvation? That maturing is the good work that God is doing in you. Paul says it, uh, explains that in, first, in Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you with your salvation will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So there's a longing that I need to be more in tune with in my life. There's a maturing process That's taking place every day, and it's usually through trials and difficulties. And the last thing is hope. God is using this present moment that you online and we here physically are experiencing as we worship God exclusively. He's even using this present moment right now to produce in us a a more solid hope for this afternoon and tomorrow. Because of God's generosity, we have what we have. Because of God's generosity, He allows us to experience tastes of what is to come. You know, these these little samples of what our future is going to be. You know, those little moments that that you and I have as as, as children of God when, when we experience a sense of God's coming kingdom. It's not here, but we get a little foretaste of what it's going to be like. You know, uh, when, when there's this, through someone, a constant kindness with no ulterior motives. And you're just refreshed by that. It's like, wow, you are just so kind. What's up with that? An unselfish love with no strings attached. 
true justice with absolutely no bias. Wow. Beauty. Beauty as seen through the eyes of God, not our sin-stained flesh eyes. And all these things are good things prepared for us, and they prepare us as we experience them so, so that we don't panic in the face of difficulty, in the face of trials and letdowns that this present life is full of. And by God's grace, we know that He, the living God, is moving us towards a place where the, where the suffering of this present moment will be no more. We're reminded that this is going to be over one day, like really soon in light of eternity. That last book of the Bible in the revelation of Jesus Christ in chapter 21 of that book, verses 4 to 8, he, this is God, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Have you cried lately? And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. It's all changed. It's all been made right. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Guarantee. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. It is free, eternal life, eternal refreshment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly and the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers and sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So you see, there's another dimension to our hope that we should be reminded of as we think about hope. Our hope for those of us who accept Jesus Christ as our Savior also brings a judgment on everyone who rejects Jesus Christ as their Savior. So this idea of hope also should be pushing you and I in maturity in a whole nother way. We should be becoming all the more constrained, like we can't help but share the good news we possess with everyone we encounter because it is a matter of life and death. And that's a hope. If this good news about our salvation that we've just been reading about and reminded of, this salvation from judgment through the blood of Jesus Christ, if it's not true, if it's not true, and it's really only about the living for the here and now to get all you can out of life, which is the way almost everyone on this planet lives today and has lived for thousands of years, Paul puts it ever so bluntly. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, this is all it's about, then we are of all people 
most to be pitied. If my salvation, and I hear this, I hear this from preachers and teachers, it, it drives me nuts. If my salvation is only so that I'm a more moral, better person, so why do you go to church? Because oh, I, I want to be a better person. I, I want to do good. Uh, I just want to do well. If my salvation is about living this life the best I can and to be the best I can be, Paul says, we have no hope. That's not hope at all. That is all there is, and then it's over. Because Jesus' blood is the only thing that will cover my sin and your sin, it's the only thing that will spare you and I from the judgment that is coming. Make no mistake about that. It's that important. You may have noticed that there's been a theme of hope for the last 10 months in most of the messages. You, you may not have picked it up, and you may be going, oh, really, that's cool. But no, no, there, there's been, it's been prominent, all right? Like everywhere, every book of the Bible we've gone to, it's been hope. It's been hope, and we've been hammering hope. And that's because we have a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And you and I have been pushed to the brink this year in so many different ways. We have been pushed to live more mentally and spiritually aware and alert during these really, really weird times. I'm still, though, I find this, maybe, maybe, can you, maybe you uh, relate with this. I'm still, though, often tempted to live with a destination mentality. It's like this, this draw. Tr trying to cram life into life as much pleasure and excitement and uh, happiness as possible. We will never get from this world that what we can only experience in heaven, in eternity. It's just not going to happen. How many times do I have to tell myself that? How many times should we be reminding ourselves of that? Stop knocking yourself out to obtain it. It's not going to happen. Instead, ask your Holy Father who is in heaven to help you live with a preparation mentality. That's going to be a new prayer for me in 2021. Every day that the eternal Holy Spirit dwelling in me reminds me and I listen, I'm going to pray to God for the strength and the patience and the mentality to live with a preparation mentality for eternity. I want to close with asking you another question. What's your agenda today. Do you have one? Like, what's your agenda tomorrow, next week? Um, what's your agenda for 2021? Maybe retirement is, is in the future for you, and you've got an agenda. You've got things you want to do for that. Your agenda might not even be written out. You may have not made a list and checked it twice, but it's an attitude. It's, it's a driving uh, principle in your life that dictates your responses to good things and bad things, whatever life throws at you. Well, we need to be reminded that God has an agenda. And it's an eternal agenda. It's not temporal like many of ours is. 
And our ultimate happiness, contentment in the here and now is not what he's working on. It's not about our happiness. I know that that's what some are saying on the airwaves in churches around the world. But that's not God's agenda. I need to be more active in groaning. I did not say complaining. I did not say criticizing. I did not say grumbling. I said groaning. I said groaning for home, for paradise, while at the same time living in this God-provided tent as dissatisfied as I am with it (laughs) at times and embracing God's sanctification, changing process through whatever storm or whatever calm he sends my way to shape me into who he wants me to be. I mean groaning in anticipation of the wonder of eternity that this world will never provide. Yes, that experience I had over Christmas was amazing, but it's still not home. We, as a church family, as followers of Jesus Christ, we can encourage each other to live this way together through 2021. Just a small bite, one year. We can do this. This is what, part of what the church does. It's a place of encouragement to help us live this life for His glory in His glory alone. We can live this way with confidence, knowing that God has not left us without proof of all these things. The last verse was 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. And look what he's done, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Only God can guarantee you and I eternal life. And he's placed his eternal Spirit in each of us to dwell in this tent. (laughs) But it's temporary because he's going to take us to the end when we see him face to face. Let's rise up together. Rise up with me. And through that spirit, that eternal Holy Spirit of God that is in each of us who knows Jesus Christ as our Savior, let's respond with that kind of clarity and sing to the only one worthy to receive our praise. Heavenly Father, we sing to you. We sing to you out of hearts And Lord, we want our hearts to be controlled, controlled by your spirit to do your good works, not ours. May it be so, in Jesus' name, amen.